Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to today's edition of KDHL's AM Minnesota program. We have in studio Faribault's Police Chief John Sherwin. And true to his word, he said earlier this week in an email he would be here regardless of the weather. That's correct, and here I am. You are. Thanks for coming in. Certainly appreciate it. You're in town now. Yes, yeah. I uh, was able to finally uh, move to Faribault. I'm officially a Faribault resident uh, as of last Friday, so I'm glad to be here. It sure makes uh, uh, <laughs> getting to work a little bit easier. Yeah, so. except on days like this. You were saying it took about an hour to get out of your driveway this morning. Yeah, I think most people uh, found that uh, or will find that if they haven't hit their driveway yet. There's uh, quite, a, quite a bit of drifting, and, uh, uh, you know, they... There was a lot of hype on this storm, and I, for a little bit, we were a little bit concerned. I think it wasn't going to live up to it, but uh, overnight, it sure, uh, I think it uh, uh, panned out at least. Yeah. Now, without revealing where exactly you live, because I can understand mm -hmm. why a police chief wouldn't want everybody to know that, do you live in an open area where you get a lot of drifting? Yeah, there's a little bit of uh, drifting and uh, blowing. You know, last uh, last night, you know, obviously, like most people, you try to get ahead of the snow, you clear it, uh, and then you wake up and it's filled back in and it's far worse than it was <laughs> yeah. when you went to bed. So, uh, surprise, but, uh, you know, a little bit of... Uh, um, battle with the snowblower and here i am so well, I, I will tell you chief and you probably already know this but i think i was telling you before we hit the airwaves i've lived in several communities and this is the best without mm -hmm. a doubt at snow removal yeah they do a great job and you know there's not a lot of traffic out right now which is good um we'd obviously encourage everyone to stay home for safety reasons uh but I tell you, the crews are, are battling the snow and uh, doing a great job. It's it's piled up even downtown. You know, they they push things to the middle. And uh, if you didn't think we got a lot of snow, all you got to do is see some of these uh, mounds that Public Works has created that they're working on removing. And uh, you realize the storm did pan out. So No, yeah. We got yeah. plenty of snow. I noticed that last night. I, I Like you shoveled. And then this morning didn't look like I shoveled at all. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, the best advice, hey, it's a Thursday in late, later uh, stages of February. Just wait till the sun comes out. It'll do its work and uh, roads will be perfect coming up. I like that idea. I like it a lot. So the mayor was in the other day and said during the work session earlier this week, council talked about cop house. What's that? Yeah. Uh, so... We uh, we have a potential opportunity to uh, partner with um, the Rotary um, and are looking into the opportunity of creating a cop house. And you may be asking, well, what, what is that? Well, it, it's actually a house, a physical house within a neighborhood uh, that law enforcement uh, is kind of the lead agency behind establishing a, a, a presence 
partner with other community driven agencies, whether they're nonprofits or, um, you know, uh, nonprofits that serve the community. Uh, and you locate resources where people live instead of uh, having a government building that people have to go to. You're actually part of a neighborhood or community cop. The cop aspect of cop house stands for community oriented policing. Uh, and this allows law enforcement to really connect in neighborhoods with residents. Um, you know, there, there aren't, there are, this concept has been around since 1994. The first city and police department that established a cop house was Racine, Wisconsin. Uh, and they, uh, located a, uh, they, they purchased a, a group came together within Racine, not not government. Uh, this is we're not talking taxpayer dollars here. A uh, group came together, purchased a uh, house within a neighborhood that had uh, challenges, uh, not you know, uh, in providing services to residents and crime within the neighborhood, etc. Um, and law enforcement moved in, had a presence with other community groups, and what was what discovered was. Uh, residents in that neighborhood saw a reduction in crime. They felt better connected to law enforcement. Uh, there were better uh, services provided to residents, and it became a, a focal point of activity uh, and really changed the dynamic of um, that neighborhood. And um, about five years ago, uh, a cop house was initiated and started in St. Cloud. Uh, that was an effort that um, came together, largely driven by the the Rotary Club in St. Cloud and, and some other groups. Uh, and they established a public safety council made up of business and community leaders uh, that formed a nonprofit uh, funding source for purchasing and establishing and and maintaining and running and uh, this cop house that still exists today. And in fact, uh, St. Cloud is looking at. Uh, a second cop house within their community. Uh, and they've actually secured federal funding to assist uh, with that purchase and development of that um, residence. It's been highly successful in St. Cloud. Um, so, you know, this concept has existed and it's been out there. And, um, you know, we have, uh, we have a member of the police department uh, sergeant that is actively involved with our Rotary Club. And members of Rotary were talking. They have uh, they're looking to fund um, some type of large community venture, and this concept came up. And um, given that there had been some talk, uh, I felt it appropriate that that to go before the council and advise them of what we're looking at doing, just to find out, you know, um, thoughts. And uh, obviously, we want to loop them in on any decisions and. Um, uh, actions moving forward, and uh, they were uh, very um, receptive of the concept and uh, provided uh, advice to continue to move forward, work with the Rotary, and and explore this concept for our community. Are there certain neighborhoods you have in mind? You know, there there aren't at this point. This is so preliminary that a, a lot of it would depend on uh, an available residence and where we could serve. Uh, you know, where you would serve the greatest need within the community. Um, so there, there are all kinds of things that are up in the air and that are to be determined. Uh, if this is even something that um, 
you know, will make sense here, you know. Um, so we, we are exploring it further. Uh, kind of our next step is uh, some members of the police department and uh, of the Rotary are going to travel to St. Cloud in uh, coming up in March. We're going to visit the cop house. We're going to meet with, uh, I'm going to meet with uh, St. Cloud police leadership, uh, find out, uh, you know, their thoughts and how it's worked for them. And I know it's very favorable, obviously, because they're, they're looking to expand. Um, but the great thing about this concept is we can define uh, what a cop house looks like in our community. Um, there's no um, um, specific groups that you need to work with. Um, obviously, we have a lot of service groups locally that um, that provide and address the needs of our community from the Healthy Community Initiative to Growing Up Healthy to uh, the Diversity Coalition to uh, you name it. So really the possibilities are endless. Um, yeah. Ruth's House. Ruth's House, uh, Hope Center, you know, uh, you name it. There are uh, a lot of organizations that are doing great things in our community. And we as a police department are already partnering with them in, in, in many aspects, but we don't share walls. We don't have a presence with one another uh, on a semi-regular basis. And this is a potential to draw everyone, at least in the same space, to provide services because we all serve um, our citizens in similar manners. Um, it's just we have different lanes of travel. Yeah, we're going to talk more about that. I've got a couple other questions about the cop house, the proposed cop house, or maybe proposed cop house coming to Faribault. We'll do that when AM Minnesota continues. But right now, let's get that opening market report to service of Craig Keller at the Keller Insurance Agency in Nairstrand. Craig helps protect all things near and dear to you. Three things senior living, creating peace of mind in your loved one's journey in Lonsdale and Northfield. Werner Farm Seed Dundas, quality seed, reasonable prices. Give Paul or Gina a call at 507-645-7995. And Insulation Services, Inc., contact Nate there. Noise reduction, energy efficiency, savings, and superior comfort with spray foam or blowing in insulation. Get the details. Nate's number is 507-993-4570. Soybeans and corn are mixed on Thursday morning. Cattle are higher, hogs are lower. I'm John Perkins with the Brownfield Market Update. The Stein Seedcast, the only podcast dedicated to everything Stein, shares insights from Stein company leaders, agronomists, partners, and others from around the industry. Listen in today. Soybeans were just mixed. They are now back to lower. Near-term weather looks a little bit drier for Brazil, and that should help their harvest speed up and hit the export market that much faster. There's some spillover pressure from bean meal, which is down with Brazil's offers now below the U.S. March beans are back to a penny lower at 15.38 and a half. May's down one at 15.33 and three quarters. March bean meals down $2.30 at 4.90.30. March bean oils up 53 points at 63.36. Corn's mixed, digesting the USDA's ag outlook forum numbers, which do show higher planted area production and ending stocks. New supply and demand estimates are out March 8th with prospective planning on March 31st. March corn's down three and a quarter at 670 and three quarters. May's three and a quarter lower at 671. And wheat's mixed as most forecasts have more precipitation in parts of the central and southern plains, but it could miss some of the drier areas. Domestic demand's good, canceling out some of the bearish export issues. March Chicago's steady at 736 and a half. 
Uh, following the Ag Outlook Forum stuff, March cotton's up 110 at 83.35. May is 102 higher at 82.90. With uncertainties about demand, March rice is down nine at 16.93 and a half. May is a dime lower at 17.12. Cattle are up, optimistic about this week's widespread direct business and getting ready for Fridays on feed numbers. April lives up a dollar at 166.07. June's 55 higher at 161.65. March feeders are up a dollar 72 at 189.70. And hogs are down on demand uncertainties and their premium to the cash index with April 80 lower at 85.75 and June down 47 at 103.27. We're online at brownfieldagnews.com. John Perkins. Brown AM Minnesota on the Mighty 920 KDHL. Faribault's Police Chief John Sherwood is our guest. We were talking about the concept of a cop house, which, as you mentioned, uh, Chief, could vary depending on the community. That's so what do, you, what do you envision or do you have any vision yet? You know, it's it's so preliminary. Like, the general vision is is just providing a presence within a neighborhood where, you know, we would staff um, set hours with a police officer. So, you know, if you lived in the neighborhood, uh, there would generally be a police officer, you know, Monday through Friday, three to 6 PM. I'm I'm throwing out this hype hypothetically, right? Uh, and at that time there would also be other community groups present that maybe, um, located there doing everything from signing up, signups for youth sports to, Providing uh, a meal, maybe. Per, could be. Uh, it, you know, I know in St. Cloud, they do all kinds of things from um, new mother courses, you know, for courses for new mothers. Uh, sure. Uh, you know, handing out clothing, winter clothing drives, you know, things that are already happening in our community. Um, but this, this just creates a neighborhood location for it. Um, you know, really the goal is just to connect officers more with residents um, and and have a place where people um, know that they're safe going to, that there's uh, going to be a presence, uh, and and providing services that that otherwise might not be, that might be some distance away. Um, you know, and, and these concepts aren't. You know, there's a, a nonprofit in Faribault, growing up healthy, that has a presence at uh, the Cannon River Trailer Park, where they have a community trailer. It's no different than that, except you're bringing in um, more groups other than just one um, one nonprofit. So. so do you see this? I think you threw out some in hours. Do you see this uh, being an overnight thing? No, I, I don't think, you know, one thing I talked to the council about and I'm conscientious of is that, you know, we don't want to create um, uh, a, a need for additional staffing um, you know, I think that based on um, how we deploy our officers anyway, we can staff this without creating an extra burden on the tax levy. Um, so I'm conscientious of that. And, you know, it's not going to be a 24-7 presence. It's not, um, it's not a place where we even want people to really go to report crime. Yes, uh, just by being present, some of that will occur. Um, but... You know, we have a police station for a reason, and then we have a com- we would potentially have a community house for a different purpose, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's not a safe house. Correct. Like Ruth's Correct. house. Is. Correct. Correct. It wouldn't be a shelter. It wouldn't be. Um, it would be a, a physical presence within a neighborhood, bringing services closer to the community. You know, I mean, anytime you um, 
need to do something uh, government related. And, and, you know, even as being a part of government, I still have to go to city hall. Sometimes I have to go to, you know, you have to uh, conduct business in, in that manner. And this is an opportunity to actually have that presence um, outside of a government building. Naloxone. Yeah. We, I think we touched on this last sure. time you were yep. here. Yep. There are legislators that want to see it placed in every school in Minnesota, mm-hmm. be more accessible to people. You think that's a good idea? Do I think that's a good idea? I, I think it's the reality um, because there are and there have been instances of uh, youth, teens uh, in Minnesota who have experienced drug overdoses within schools. Um, you know, a lot of people have, it's concerning, right? It it puts a bad taste in your mouth. Why do we need naloxone in schools, right? Shouldn't schools be safe and drug-free? But the fact of the matter is schools are are a reflection of society and society, we have a problem with drug use, opioid use, fentanyl. Uh, and sometimes that gets its way into schools. So, um, you know, when you're talking about harm reduction strategies, if you have naloxone in, in a school and no one needs it, that's the best case scenario. True. Yep. But if someone needs it and you don't have it, and that is the difference in time between uh, a life-altering um, outcome, then I think, you know, you, you have to look at it that way. Um, from a public safety perspective, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth, but it's also reality. So, um, you know, I have, I'm not familiar with the legislation, but I know that, um, you know, there are, there is naloxone available in this community. Our officers carry it, uh, groups we've partnered with, we, um, they will provide naloxone to individuals who, uh, use substances, um, and, and the research shows that if you provide that type of um, that type of intervention to individuals, they're more likely to develop relationships with the provider that is handing it out, and they're more likely to go into drug treatment, which is is the goal. Uh, obviously, we don't want people consuming illegal drugs, uh, but the fact is that they are, and no one who's dead can go change their life and go to rehab. So. Uh, it's to me, it's a necessary evil, but it's all on the fact of harm reduction and providing people the opportunity to change their lives and uh, become free of substances and become sober. You have any idea what the time frame is, Chief? Uh, have you seen this in action, naloxone? Oh yeah, I mean it's uh, it's quick. You can have someone who's unresponsive, shallow respirations. Uh, officers admit it a lot administer naloxone and within minutes the person is uh, awake, uh, generally angry because they lose their high instantly. Um, And um, oftentimes those individuals will refuse medical treatment and in some instances they'll walk away. Um, uh, And and in others they, uh, you know, they're they're forced to, uh, because of the uh, me- medical nature of their unconsciousness or whatnot will they'll be forced to go into the hospital at least uh, but then 
they're almost immediately released um, because there are no symptoms. There's nothing wrong with them. How long can they be non-responsive before you can bring them back? It, it can vary. Times can vary. And sometimes it takes more than one uh, dose of naloxone. And I've, I've heard of instances of a half dozen times that naloxone has been administered by law enforcement and uh, the person has then uh, responded and come around. And that's that's the problem with uh, the fentanyl um, because various amounts of fentanyl are located within uh, all types of drugs now from pills to, um, you know, it used to be methamphetamine was just methamphetamine. Now it's obvious there's fentanyl within methamphetamine. There can be fentanyl within marijuana. There can be fentanyl within cocaine. Um, there can be fentanyl, fentanyl within pills that look like, uh, oxycodone or Xanax or others. So, um, it's really, uh, you know, those that are manufacturing drugs generally south of the border in Mexico, they're using fentanyl as a cutting agent and it's sought, it's sought after by users because it is the sought after high. Um, you know, the better the high, the closer you are to being unresponsive. Um, and that's what a lot of users push that, um, push that envelope, getting close to that point of overdose. Um, and, and quite often, a lot of individuals will uh, consume drugs with someone else who has naloxone. And if they go too far, they'll be revived. And law enforcement is uh, generally not involved with a lot of overdoses anymore. Um, naloxone is available for, for users and, and people are, um, you know, one would argue that that is a harm reduction. If you're, if you're going to get high, you get high with a friend. And if uh, it's a buddy system, right? You look out for your buddy, uh, much like, um, you know, when you were a kid, if you were, uh, you know, swimming in the lake, you know, you had a buddy system, right? Um, it's the same thing with drug users. So, yeah, someone, some might argue that it kind of encourages mm -hmm. drug usage if you have this antidote mm -hmm. readily available. But on the other hand, like you said, nobody dies that way. Yeah, it's it's a tough concept because in some ways you could argue that um, the availability of naloxone, the availability of clean needles or other things are enabling users. But the fact of the matter is people are using regardless and no one is going to start to use because, oh, I can go up to uh, the clinic in Northfield and get a clean needle. Um, it, it's it, and, and like I said, the research does show that those that are uh, taking those steps in harm reduction, they have to go into a clinic. They have to talk to uh, a specialist uh, who's trained in recovery um, and they're developing a relationship there. And the research does show that, that people are three times more likely. Uh, and that fact, I, I didn't just make up, I got from uh, someone who knows, um, they're three times more likely to seek treatment eventually than someone who's not using those services. We probably should, we'd be remiss if we didn't remind people to clean out those fire hydrants, right? Absolutely. I, I know uh, Chief Dusty Deans would uh, appreciate the reminder. And, and uh, you know, our, our Fairville Fire Department, they do a great job. Um, you know, they have paid full-time firefighters, but they're a small crew. So if they get to a scene, uh, they're hustling and they're working until the paid on-call folks can get in. 
and every second counts. And if they're trying to find a fire hydrant buried in a five-foot snowdrift, which there are five-foot embankments on the side of the road now, um, that's a problem. Every second counts. So, you know, they need to get there. They need to get to work, and they got to get water flowing. And the only way to do that is uh, to make sure your hydrants are clear. So, Yeah, I do know some instances where your officers get there first, yep. and they are digging out the fire. Yeah, and we, we always try to assist... Uh, Fairwell Fire, like I said, they do a great job, but they're, um, you know, they have a small crew, at least initially, until the cavalry comes. And usually our officers are first on scene or close to it. And uh, it's not familiar, it's not uncommon that we're dragging hose and other things. And uh, I even had uh, the opportunity this summer when I just happened to be out and about and there was a fire uh, up on the north side of town. And um, I was there and you know, their minimum staffing is two firefighters on a truck, and uh, they can't do everything all at once. So we're stretching hose, and we're helping them out. And uh, uh, I tell you what, that was impressive to watch them get water flowing, get that fire knocked down in less than a minute. And uh, and it had the potential to be a very large fire. Uh, and and they, uh, they saved a, a structure and uh, uh, minimal damage to another. So... I've been thoroughly impressed, and, and we partner with them really well. We work great together. They know what they're doing, you're saying? They do. They do. They're well-trained, and they're, uh, they're busy. They, uh, uh, you know, you, uh, they, they have a lot of calls, from medical calls to you name it. So, One of my pet peeves, I was driving from Northfield, well, to Northfield and back from Northfield Wednesday for mm -hmm. this show, and you would not believe, well, you probably would believe, the number of people who did not have their headlights on mm -hmm. when it was snowing. And that's the yeah. law. You're supposed yep. to win any precipitation. Anytime right? your wipers are going, your your headlights should be on. Correct. But that's the law. Yes, correct. You could, in theory, be sighted. Um, and there was a lot of vehicles. Yep. Yep. And, you know, I think a lot of people get... Uh, uh, you know, most cars these days, they have the automatic lights and, um, you know, they feel like, well, if it's dark, my lights will kick on. But, you know, on a day like today, it's snowing, but it's it's bright. Uh, your automatic headlights probably aren't going to kick on. So it's just a good reminder that, you know, flip them on. And, and with the technology in cars today, if you leave them on and you turn off your car, it's going to let you know. You're not going to you're not going to drain your battery and forget. No, but I just wanted to. Kind of note that because it is the law that whenever there's any precipitation, you are supposed to have your lights on. Yep, wipers on, lights on is a good is a good uh, analogy and reminder. You know, turn on your wipers, turn on your lights. How's your catalytic ID kits going over? Uh, great, we've we've handed out a lot. We've distributed a, a number of them. You know, and uh, we we had a local business, Fairbow Tire and Auto. They reached out and wanted to partner with us. Uh, they'll help residents who are unable to find their catalytic converter or to get them on the car to uh, uh, do it for free. They'll put the car up on the lift and one of their uh, staff will assist them. So they're still available. We have them at the police records window. Uh, normal business hours, stop in and we'll get you a catalytic converter kit. So. Fairable Police Chief John Sherwin with us. We only have a couple minutes left in the show. Buckham West is closed today, by the way. No meals on wheels or... Anything like I always feel sad when I have to say that there's no meals on wheels. Yeah, that's a great uh, center there. I've, I've visited Buckham a number of times, and uh, 
they've had me for coffee. They've had me to speak and uh, great service they provide there to folks. And I know on days like today, it'll be missed. For sure. But, you know, you got to be safe, too. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Makes perfect sense. Anything you want to get the word out to the community about here? No, just, uh, you know, the next couple of days when uh, be patient with the roads, slow down. Uh, fortunately, we we had a few vehicles off the road last night and uh, early in the night. And then it was a relatively quiet night. And we appreciate folks staying home and just wait till the sun's out. This uh, snow will go away quickly on the roads when that occurs. So, Yeah. Well, this is the time of year where it's getting more intense, right? The sun, so... Absolutely. We're almost to March. I mean, it'll be March next week, so... Before we know it, Memorial Day will be here. That's kind of a scary thought, though. March. Yeah. Where did this winter go? I don't know. Went Seems quick. like just yesterday we were celebrating New Year's. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. But now we're talking on the doorstep of March. Well, Chief, certainly hope you can stop by again sometime. Absolutely. Count me in. I'll be here in uh, March. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe we'll get that in before the state basketball tournament. KDHL providing our 75th year of baseline-to-baseline coverage. Ever since this station went on the air, it's broadcast the Boys State High School basketball tournament. Nobody else in Minnesota can say that. Fantastic. Who's, hmm? who, who's your favorite this year? Isn't that awesome? I, I don't know if I have a favorite. but Well, who do you think is going to win? It's always cool to have some local teams get in there. I Absolutely. think Goodyear's got a good chance in both boys and girls of of being mm-hmm. in the state tournament over there. they got great programs there in Goodyear. We'll have to see. Yeah. That's part of the fun. Yeah, you never know, right? Is the ride, right? Cinderella, Cinderella, too. The right? ride. Tonight, speaking of uh, basketball, tournament basketball, we've got girls... B.A. is at Kenyon Wanamingo tonight in their first tournament games. Cool. We'll have that time of year. Yep. Coverage begins 645, 7 o'clock tip-off. Thanks again, Chief, for coming in. My pleasure, Gordy. Appreciate it very much. Chief John Sherwin, Faribault Police Department, is with us every month now. and We appreciate that very much, just like the uh, Fire Chief Dustin Deans. We're going to probably have to do two shows in March because... I messed up in February. (laughs) Have a great rest of the day, everybody. Stay dry. Stay safe. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.